Welcome to The Truth Must Be Told. I hope that you have been enjoying this podcast. We have covered many subjects, and, you know, we're going to continue to do that. The response has been excellent, and I will continue to bring you quality podcasts from which you can learn and perhaps give you some hope in this uncertain world. If you have missed any episodes, you can go to thetruthmustbetold.org and you will find the link for anchor.fm, which will allow you to listen to previous podcasts absolutely free. It's free to visit the site and free to listen. And while you're there, consider hitting that support button and help this ministry to continue to grow around the world. Thank you for your support and for joining me here on The Truth Must Be Told. His return is imminent. Will you be ready when the trumpet sounds? We will be discussing the rapture once again today on The Truth Must Be Told. Stand by. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. Okay. When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Hello, hello, hello. There's been uh, much on my heart lately. I hope you all are doing well. With everything that is happening in the world today, there's just been so much on my heart about um, end times and, and how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ. And I have been wrestling with this message. Uh, I suppose my my idea of this show in addressing current events and bringing them to a biblical point of view. And of course, sometimes if you're, if you're a regular with the show, you know that at times we discuss other things and we talk about, you know, I have my Star Trek days and things like that. I really enjoy, though, bringing to you the truth of God's Word. And yeah, we're going to continue to have fun and we're we'll continue to do things like that. But the world events of today are like they have never been before. And many things are pointing to his soon return. His return is imminent. It's like he is at the door. All right, we see the signs of the times all around us, yet few, precious few preachers are teaching that the return of Christ is, is, is imminent. There, very few of them are teaching that. In fact, there are very few preachers out there today that even talk about his first coming and how he died for the remission of sins. They don't want to offend anyone. They would rather teach a touchy-feely good message instead of God's truth according to his word. And, you know, they don't want to teach the truth of God's word regarding sin and the penalty for ignoring God. They do not teach the blood of Jesus and that it can save men from their sins and the joy of that forgiveness that he can bring into the hearts of man. You want to hear a joyful testimony, go back and find Teddy Dioramo's testimony and what this man was has gone through and how God rescued him from his sin and changed this man's life around. And he's just one of millions of people whose lives have been changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now these preachers, most importantly, they have ignored to teach the return of Jesus to this earth, which goes hand in fist. I mean, you've got about a third of the Bible, more or less, 
that um, talks about his first coming, and the last the other two thirds are talking about his second coming and what's going to happen. And we know he fulfilled at least he filled at least a third of those prophecies about his first coming. So there's no reason to believe that um, that he's um, he won't fulfill the other parts of it. So we have got we have got to talk about the return, the the rapture of the church. This is the blessed hope. Okay, that the church we did, we're told in the scripture to encourage one another with. When Jesus returns to take his church away, to be kept safely with him while the ungodly are judged during the great tribulation that is soon to befall this earth. It's going to happen very soon. All right, so we're going to go to, um, we're going to, go to um, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. If you have a Bible handy, if you uh, you could turn there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible handy, that's fine. I'm going to read out of it anyway, so you could just listen. And if you're on the road, I don't want you trying to look in your Bible while you're driving down the road. So don't do that, okay? But First Thessalonians 4, chapters, uh, thir- uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 says this. But we do not want you to become uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring him, will bring with him, excuse me, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And again, that's First, first Corinthians First Thessalonians, excuse me, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Now, I heard a minister say that he does not believe in the rapture, as it is not indicated in Scripture, yet here it is in plain truth. All right, in verse 17 of this, of this, uh, of this particular passage, it says, uh, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Now, that caught up is the Greek word apadzo, arpadzo. Uh, now, the closest English word we have to that is snatched, all right? So it's a, it's a snatching away, a very quick, uh, violent snatching away. In fact, there are many places in Scripture where it's used uh, in the New Testament. I'm going to read you a few, and you don't mind if I be a little old school here and use my actual Bible to read those to you. Um, in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12, says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent men take it by force. That word, take it by force, is this word, arpazo, which means snatched. It's a violent act. It's taking it, okay? Um, But it indicates something that's going to be quick and just really fast. In uh, Matthew 13, as I turn my Bible over again, 
Uh, Matthew 13, verse 19 says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which have been sown in his heart. So here we have that word again, snatching away the arpazo in the Greek. Okay? That's what that means. Um, John 6.15 is another example of this of this word. Um, Jesus was... Uh, um, Jesus was preaching, uh, just fed the 5,000. And, uh, so Jesus, and they were, they were, they, they said, truly, this is a prophet who comes into the world. Verse 15 says, so Jesus perceived that they were intending to come to him, to come and take him by force to make him king. He withdrew again to the mountain, uh, by himself alone. So here he withdrew, uh, they were going to take him by force. Okay. Arpazio, Arpazio, same word. All right, uh, in John uh, chapter 10, just a few, uh, a few chapters over, um, Jesus is talking about how uh, he's the good shepherd. And um, he who is the hired hand, he says, and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. And t- I believe he's talking about uh, false prophets here, uh, you know, false teachers. Uh, so, but yeah, they, they will snatch them away and scatter them, all right? And then uh, again on verse, and that snatching away again is our, is our Greek word. Um, and 1028 would be the next one. Sorry, I'm reading my notes here. Uh, so 1028, uh, 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Uh, and I give them eternal life. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So no one will snatch you or pedzo out of Christ's hand. Same word. Snatching. Quickly taking away. That's the word we're talking about. All right. And um, going a little bit into, going back a little bit into um, into 1 Corinthians. Here's another passage that talks about the rapture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses uh, 51 through 57. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God is coming, all right? This taking away, this twinkling of an eye, that is the, like a, uh, the time it takes for a light to reflect off, an eye, reflect off an eye, all right? That's what's happening here. This is going to happen. This is the next event on God's prophetic timetable. 
There's nothing left to be fulfilled. It's all there. Christ's first coming was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, the beginning of the last days. And he now has um, put, Jesus told us everything to watch for. He said there's going to be religious apostasy. There's going to be false teachers saying, I am the Christ. Or, you know, try to lead people astray. I went through all that through one of my last studies. And go back and you could look at them. You know, we in the last days and... Uh, there were several others that I did there. Um, you know, are we in the last days and confusing times? All those, if you go back, you can find those on anchor.fm. You can look them back up. <clears throat> Excuse me, one moment. So sorry. Have to, uh, had to take a little sip of something there. All right, so, you know... What do we base this on? You know, what do we base this on in the rapture? And, and Paul actually answers those questions in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 and verse 14. And I'm going to turn back over there, and we're going to read it. And he says here, um, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So here we go. So what is the what are the basis of the rapture? Well, uh, here he says, here he says that for we believe that Jesus died. That's the first thing. All right. Remember, Jesus bore the penalty of our sin. He took our place. He died in our place. So we understand our hope. We understand that Jesus. Because he gave his life on the cross and shed his blood. And when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he was looking right down through history. He was looking right at you and right at me. And he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He bore the sins of our sins. Past, present, and future for the whole world was laid on Christ on the cross. Yeah. So we know that he took our sin. So we understand that hope. The second thing we look at is that he said that Jesus died and now he rose again. Now that's very important. If Christ be not risen, then our faith is useless. <clears throat> but since Christ rose from the dead, it was a validation on God's, by God's, um, it was validating God, Christ's sacrifice in the eyes of God. God said, this is good. His, he's, he's, he shed his blood, and he conquered sin. And that is what's more important. He proved he conquered sin by rising from the dead. All right? Now, it says, Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now, we know the, the term falling asleep here is meant death. All right? Now, it has nothing to do with soul sleep. These, these uh, people who died in Jesus, if you were a believer in Christ and you died, you have loved ones who you know believed in Jesus Christ and have died, their soul is not sleeping. Absent with the body, present with the Lord, there's no seemed indication. The rich man and Lazarus, <coughs> Christ, uh, Christ, Jesus said that, uh, uh, that when Lazarus died, he was immediately taken by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
So there was, um, and then the rich man died and was buried and in hell. So there's no, there's no soul sleep. All right, get that out of your mind. Doesn't happen. All right, again, uh, and the thief on the cross. And that poor guy has gone through a lot of stuff, for examples, for, uh, for us Christians today. But Jesus said, I tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. So there's no soul sleep. All right, that's, that's out. But what will happen is that when Jesus returns to take his church, those who have died prior are going to be changed. They'll, they'll be united with their spirit and their body will be reunited. And I heard somebody talking about this and say, well, what have they been doing? Have they, have they been body, uh, you know, mindless or bodiless uh, spirits floating around up in heaven? You got to remember there's no time. You think you're thinking in, a, in, a, in our time. But in 2,000 years, is nothing to God and nothing in eternity. So they're there and I say, okay, come on, let's go. And it, it'll be time to go. That, it, there's, no, there's no time lag. That's what I'm trying to say. I hope I'm explaining that correctly. But God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Those who have died in Christ are going to be changed. They will receive their their um, heavenly bodies, and then they will be they go up, and we go up. All right. Um, now Paul says to him the fourth reason. Paul says to us in this. He says. Um, He says this, he said, For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, okay, that we who are alive alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. This is God's assurance, okay? This is God's assurance. I'm telling you this by the word of the Lord. He's not saying that out of his own. He's telling you by the, by the word of the Lord that this is going to happen. So if we died with him, we will rise with him. Now, please understand that those who died before his return will not miss this great rapture event because they will be changed. And then we who are alive and remaining will be caught up together. There's that word, snatched up, caught up with them, and be with the Lord forever. All right, and uh, I'm going to take a break here and come back and we'll discuss a few more things. Just uh, stand by. thrown my screen over to screen two. And so you saw the USS Enterprise on there. Sorry about that. Uh, just, I just put my opposite up there. <laughs> it got screen two. So you got to look at what my screensaver looks, my, my uh, background looks like. Wallpaper. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I am a Trekkie. Sorry. All right. But before we continue, I want to announce that on Saturday, uh, October 2nd, okay, so that's this Saturday coming up, we're going to begin our studies of the paranormal. 
Now, this is going to be a very important study because it ties into the return of Christ. The spiritual is growing is and is going to increase in the last days just prior to his return. And so it is vital that we understand what is out there and why Satan is accelerating his efforts to turn people away from Christ, because that's what he's doing. All right? So tune in. Let your loved ones know to listen as well. If they do not know Jesus and you have been praying for them, perhaps mention them about the, mention to them about the study, and we, we will be discussing various types of paranormal activity. And I will not give any spoilers here, okay? So just uh, have them tune in. And the, during the month of October, we will be covering the paranormal on different stages because there's a lot to talk about. You know, we talk about there's ghosts, not only ghosts and demons and angels, but we're, we're going to be talking about uh, UFOs and how they tie in biblically. We're going to be talking about uh, other things too, different paranormal activities. So please just tune in. It's a very, very important study. I've been putting a lot of work into it, and uh, my head is reeling from what I'm learning. It's just, it's just incredible. Tune in and learn something and be blessed, and, and maybe people that you know uh, can come to Jesus through that. So I'm just uh, I'm giving you that heads up. All right, back to our topic. So we see from the Scriptures that Christ is coming to take away those who believe in him. Now, I believe this is going to happen before the Great Tribulation. Now, there's three camps on this. There's the pre-trib, which I'm in. There's the mid-trib, which I'm not, and the post-trib, which I'm not. So what that means is uh, the the pre-trib means that it's going to happen before the Great Tribulation. Mid-trib rapture believers believe that we're going to go in the middle of the Great Tribulation. And, of course, post-trib believe it's going to happen at the end of the Great Tribulation. Now, let me explain to you a couple of things. Number one, um, if what Jesus said is true, and we, we accept his saying that, he, that what he says is true, that no man knows the hour or the day when he's going to return, then if you are a mid-tribber or a post-tribber, then you will find out exactly you'll know seven, either three and a half years or seven years, Christ will return. All right? And that's not what the Scripture says. We don't know the hour or the day, and putting that kind of timeline time on it is, is, would be wrong, I think, in my eyes. The second, time, the second thing is, <clears throat> God told us that he is not, and the Bible tells us that we are not appointed unto wrath. All right? As Christians, we are not appointed to... Uh, the pain, our wrath has been paid for through Jesus Christ. So why would God allow us to go through three and a half or seven years of tribulation, which is the wrath that's poured out on those who do not believe? Why would we be going through that? Third reason. Um, in the book of Revelation, and I'm going to go there, um, so just bear with me here for a moment. I had a bookmark. I don't know what I did with it. Here we go. I know. Go to the library at the end and turn left. Go to maps and turn left, and it's there. All right. So um, let me lay this out for you. The Apostle John is, uh, I think he's about 90 years old. Well, this was done about 90 AD, I believe. Uh, so he was he was very old, and he was, uh, he was uh, sent to the Isle of Patmos, as punishment 
for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, he says here that I, John, your brother, and fellow partaker in the tribulation and tribulation kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the Isle called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he had been testifying about Christ, and he was thrown onto the Isle of Patmos. And he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and behold, <clears throat> excuse me, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. All right. So he's told now at this point, all right, write down what you're about to see. All right. And send this out to the seven churches. And uh, they're all listed here. And so you can read that on your own. Now, chapters 1 through 3 is the churches, is, are the letters to the churches. That's that's it. That's okay. That is the letters uh, and the, each thing that, that God told them. Excuse me. The last one, of course, being the church of Laodicea, where he was told, um, he, was, he told the church there, you know, because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. All right, I'd rather have you all hot or all cold, but this lukewarmness that you have is disgusting and unpleasant to him, so he didn't want that. Uh, but then beginning at verse 4, now this is an interesting, now this is interesting, and, and you've got to think about this. Verse 4, chapters, uh, chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, um, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you things. I will show you what must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. All right, so a couple of things here. After these verses, after chapter 3, and starting at verse uh, chapter 4 and on through the rest of Revelation, the church is never mentioned again. The church is out of the picture. After these things, which John says here, after what things? After the church ages. This was the age of the church. That's it. It's the end of the church age. Come up here. And he was immediately in the spirit and was standing in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a rapture. And J John was being shown that, okay, church age is done. Come on up. Let's go. And he started showing him what's going to take place after. After what? After the church age. So that's the reasons. That's some of the reasons I believe that uh, the rapture is going to take place before the Great Tribulation period. And there are others too about the uh, the identity of um, the identity of the Antichrist being withheld. The Holy Spirit is hiding his identity until he be revealed. And we, so there's a lot of that stuff, and we have to. This is just it's very very complicated. More, but. Simply, <clears throat> simply, I believe that it's going to happen beforehand. You know, so do your rapture drills, pat, pra practice jumping up and down and wait, because he's coming very, very soon. He is on his way. All right, I wouldn't doubt if, the, if he's, you know, if he's on his way right now. I may not even get a chance to finish this podcast. 
which would be all right with me. I want to go to be with Jesus, or there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. I'll have my heavenly body. I won't be racked with diabetes, um, bad teeth, lazy eye, aching back. It's all going to go away. No more tears. And I get to see Jesus and my loved ones. It'll be great. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, it'll be something like this. First day in heaven. I want to get up and I want to hug Jesus. I want to give him a big hug. Tell him how much I love them. And uh, be able to be home with him. Now, what's going to happen to those who are that don't make the rapture. Remember, this this removal, <coughs> excuse me, I do beg your pardon, that's, uh, I hit that dump switch quick. This removal of the church, where he says, I am coming back, and Jesus said, uh, let not your heart be troubled, uh, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that in my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will receive you unto myself. Oh, so here he's, tell, he's saying he's gone to prepare rooms for us in his father's house. Now, think about this. All right, and, I, and I've used this illustration before. In, uh, in the, uh, when we look at old wedding traditions back in the, in, the, in the Bible days, and it's spoken about many times, even Jesus used it as parables. He talked about the uh, ten foolish virgins and the virgins and the ten wise virgins. And you see, the bridegroom, once they were engaged and it was time for the wedding, the bridegroom would go. He would go um, on his way, and he would prepare a place for the bride. Usually, it was in his father's house or another building on his father's property, but something he went and prepared for that wedding day. And when his when he was finished building the house and things were ready and everything was in place, he would come back to get his bride. All right. So she didn't know when that day would be. All right. And the bridegroom, you know, the bridegroom would come and he could come at any time. It could be in the middle of the night. It could be during the day. We, they didn't know. They had to be ready. Then he would come and take her and take her back, and he would come to her. You know, somebody in today's weddings, we have the, the groom waiting at the altar while the bride comes in, but in, that doesn't even fit with the, with the thing of Christ coming for his bride. He's coming to get us. Boom, and he's going to take us away. So that's, that's the thing. And, and, and Jesus told that parable of the... Um, the foolish virgins who burned their oil all night. And when, when the bridegroom came and the call went out, they didn't have any oil left. And so they were left in the darkness. The 10 wise virgins had conserved their oil and were ready. They were ready. In other words, the whole, the whole thing of that, that, of that parable was be ready. Are you ready for the return of Christ? Will you be left behind when the trumpet sounds? That is going to be the most vitally important question you have to ask yourself today. Putting aside the COVID virus, putting aside the vaccine, 
putting aside all of the stuff that's in the world today, Afghanistan, all the other garbage that's going on out there, all right? And why is the world? The world is, is setting itself up for the return of Christ, all right? It's happening as Christ told us it would. And I have never seen it accelerate to this fever pitch before. We are seeing, now, it may not happen, true, yeah, and maybe, and there's a lot of mockers out there that say, oh, when is this going to take place? You know, because ever since the creation of the world, nothing's changed, as the Bible says. Uh, let's see, what is that, Second Peter? Let's see here, I'm getting myself here, yeah. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says this, Know this first of all, that in the last days... Mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. Um, and in fact, let me just go on. It said, for, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice by the word of God that the heavens existed long ago on the earth and was formed formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water but by his word the present present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved that with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day don't that's not a literalization that's judge Peter is trying to give us a, a thing that time has no meaning. All right? The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should peril, perish, but all to come to repentance. And then he goes on to say, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, which the heavens will pass away and the, with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So <clears throat> it's going to come, the return of Christ is going to be like a thief in the night. He's going to, in other words, you're not going to know. If you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready for him, right? And you wouldn't let him steal your house. Well, in the same way, Christ is going to come. And he's going to uh, come so quickly, boom, and it'll be, it'll be over. All right. Well, the the people are gone. So, if you're if you don't prepare, if you're not prepared for the return of Christ, you will be left behind on this earth. And I'm going to be doing a study on uh, the Great Tribulation. Very brief. I did cover it a little bit uh, from the night before. I think on my Tuesday night show, uh, I did cover a little bit about what's going to happen. During the uh, Great Tribulation, yes, I talked about the, yes, I did. I talked about the seals. There'll be seven seals. There'll be seven trumpets. And there'll be seven vials or bowls. And in that it's going to be a very, very ugly time here on earth. And you don't want to be here for that. Millions of people are going to be killed uh, the Antichrist is going to force people to take his mark, so you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark of his, the mark of the beast on you. 
there's going to be uh, a false prophet that's going to come who's going to be given power to do certain things. The uh, supernatural is going to, and this is another reason why I really think we need to get into study of the paranormal because I think that UFOs are going to have a lot to do with it. When millions of people vanish off the face of the earth, I honestly think it's going to be the uh, explanation of the experts that the UFOs came and took them or there was a gamma ray burst and uh, only those who were not vaccinated went. Who knows? There's going to be all kinds of crazy things out there. But they're going to come up with an excuse. I really believe UFOs is going to be the thing, especially now since the United States government now is, is acknowledging that UFOs exist. And trust me, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's demonic. Okay, it's demonic. And we're going to discuss that. I don't want to spoil anything because we're going to be discussing that during the shows of the paranormal in October. So I don't want to spoil that for you. But trust me, I think that's what's going to be. Now, once millions of people disappear off the face of the earth, people are going to be wondering what happened to them. You're going to have to, um, you're going to have to deal with all the garbage that's going to take place on this earth. And if you take the mark of the beast, you can never be saved. So you got to keep that in mind. Those who worship him will be marked, and uh, but God will still have his remnant. God will have his remnant. So you 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 may have a chance, but. If you don't choose now, why would you want to go through that? And I'm not guaranteeing that you will have a chance. I'm not sure. I don't know what the Scripture says about that. I'm not sure. It's not clear whether you could be saved through great tribulation. I think you can. I'm not sure. Maybe some of you who are listening that are preachers can give me a little more insight on that. But from what I see, I'd rather go in the first place and not be stuck here. So how do you not get left behind? Well, you have to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. All right, that Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that um, there's none righteous, no, not one. See, no one understands or seeks for God. That's from Romans 10, Romans 3. But you have to understand that God told us that, uh, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is so vitally important to understand that he gave his life for us on the cross. See, Jesus paid the death penalty for us, for our sins. When he died on the cross, he took the burden of our sins and opened the way for us to enter into eternal life with him. You know, it's not that hard to become a Christian. You don't have to do all these things. You don't have to go to church. I mean, it's good to get to church and get into a fellowship with people, but that's not what the Bible says. You, you, going to church doesn't get you saved any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. All right? You know, if, if you, it's a very simple thing that you have to do. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that, God, that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. 
for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's right from the scripture. There's nothing more you have to do. You just need to confess with your mouth that Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead. If there was no resurrection, there'd be no salvation. But God has made a way for you through Jesus Christ. But don't live in denial anymore. Understand the truth. And even though it hurts, let the truth change your life. You know, there's no set prayer that you have to pray. It's just something like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you and I'm deserving of eternal punishment. But Jesus Christ took that punishment on the cross that I deserved so that through faith in him, I could be forgiven. Just something like that. I can't do it. There's no real formula. There's no magic words. It's just you with a repentant heart towards God. The song that's playing in the background is, It Is Well With My Soul. And there's one part that says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. You could do that tonight. So if you're not sure that you're saved, if you don't know, if you have any further questions, reach out to me at thetruthmustbetold.org or at any of my Facebook pages. You could reach out to me there. All right? And uh, if you're on Anchor.fm, I think you can leave a comment. But I'd be glad to help you as best I can. And just remember that Jesus loves you and he cares for you. And I want to see you in heaven. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God has planned. This may be your last chance. Well, God bless you. You have yourself a wonderful evening in the Lord. And we'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told.